Thanks for checking out the Renew Life Church podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that today's message encourages you. If you got your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Corinthians 12. I am, uh, I'm going to be honest with you. If I, if I ramble through this message, just stay for the second service and it might be better. Um, and, and, I, and here's why I say that, because I am as cautiously excited as I've probably been in a long time about a message, because this is one of those uh, unique things where this is a message that's been building for probably at least five years. And uh, it was kind of like parenting for me. I never wanted to talk about parenting until I had at least a small measure of success. So it was years before I talked about parenting. Then I regretted it because I realized I still didn't know what I was doing. And uh, and if you didn't hear the news last week, we get to start over. My wife is expecting another one, so uh, I'll get to try again. Uh, but it's it, th- this message is, is is unique because, like I said, it's it's been brewing for five years. Uh, it's taken really some gained some momentum, if you will, the last two and a half. And it, it kind of begins with this. The last two and a half years begins with this. Two and a half years ago. Uh, we actually had an office complex out on 349, North 349. How many of you guys were, were still here? We're here when we had the other building. Okay, a few of you. Uh, we had a little office complex out there, and we did all of our classes and stuff, midweek classes. We even had a thing called Growth Track. And on this Growth Track, there was a series of three or four classes that we had people go through, and it was a model that we were following, uh, that, a successful model, if you will, um, uh, from Church of the Highlands in Birmingham, Alabama. A lot of churches follow this Growth Track model, and it's, it's been, it was really a really great model for us as we got going, but if I'm just being honest with you, I was getting ready. We had a class that night, and I can't remember which of the growth track classes it was, foundations, or we had a lot of different classes, and and I'll just be honest with you, I was just in a bad mood. Is it all right if I just say I was in a bad mood? I was in a bad mood because I didn't want to be there, and I didn't even want to preach the notes that I had on my page. I was I was frustrated about something. I didn't necessarily know what it was that I was frustrated about, but it's like I've always been the kind of guy that I was, I hate repeating classes. Like I hate doing the same thing over and over and over again. I'm not very good at it. I admire those that can be that consistent and I, I, I'm, that's awesome. I'm just not one of those guys. And so this was probably the, I don't know, fourth, fifth, sixth time I'd ever preached this same exact set of notes and, and it just it was just bothering me. And so I was there and I was supposed to be getting ready for the, the service that night and I wasn't even looking over my notes. I had already, I knew those notes inside and out. And so I, I'm just dealing with some things and I'm studying something completely opposite of what I'm about to be preaching. And so I'm, I'm, I'm reading and I found myself in 1 Corinthians 12. And, and I, I began to read some, some scriptures in 1 Corinthians 12 that I can honestly say it's been the single most influential scripture in my life and had the biggest effect in this church, whether you knew it or not, of any other scripture in the Bible for the last two, two and a half years. And so I, I want to talk to you today about 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12 begins the first 1 through 11 verses. It's talking about spiritual gifts. And these are uh, what the Bible refers to as manifestational gifts of the Spirit. There's do- lots of different sets. There's actually three primary sets of gifts talked about in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, and Ephesians 4 that we'll talk about uh, more here in just a minute. But 1 Corinthians 12 are the manifestational gifts of the Spirit. In other words, these are gifts that come uh, as a part of this this power package, if you will, with the Holy Spirit that we can all lean into by faith. This is not a gift that you were given when you were born. Either you have it or you don't. No, these are gifts that the more faith you have to go after these things, the more you can walk in these 
particular gifts. And so the, the, the Apostle Paul is talking to the church at Corinth here about gifts that they should be looking towards and leaning into and utilizing uh, in their church, in their, in their gathering. And so he goes through 1 through 11, talking about spiritual gifts. And then he goes into talking about the body of Christ right after that for the next several verses. And he's talking about how we're, we're, we are the body of Christ. There's different parts of the body, but it's all one body. And, and, and everybody's got a different part, and the hand can't say to the eye, I don't have a need for you. And, and we're all different and unique and have different things, but it's still about one body. And so ch- Paul's having a bit of a church talk here. He's talking to church people about the church. And so he's like, hey, in the church, there, here are these gifts. And don't, be, don't get all weird out. If your gift's different than this person's, it's like a body. We're all fit together and yours might look different and, and smell different and all these different things. It's, it's, it's unique. It's about a body. And we talk about that a lot here. But what I love is he gets really specific here in verse uh, 26, 27, 28. And he says some things that, to be quite honest with you, when I when I read this, I was in my office that night reading this, and I, and I remember reading this and thinking to myself, how in the world have we as a church missed this verse? How in the world have we missed this? Here's what, here's what it said. Thank you. Oh, my computer froze up. That's awesome. Yeah, it's on the screen. Uh, yeah, let's, let, let's read the screen. Hey, somebody see if they can get that to unfreeze while I read. Um, first time I bring my laptop up, it freezes. Um, okay, so here's, here's, what, here's what I was reading. It says, God has appointed in the church. So I want you to notice this is, and, and I'll just say this just so you know how much I believe in what I'm about to say. I'll give you a thousand bucks cash. So there's your little challenge right now. Uh, <laughs> Some people are like, I'm not listening to the rest of this message. I'm going to be looking for that. It says, and God has appointed in the church. So he's specifically talking about the church. Here are the the, the gifts, the graces. Here's a blueprint for how to build the New Testament, New Covenant church. Here's what he says. In the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, gifts of healing, helping, administrations, and various kinds of tongues. Now, just leave that up there because I may want to leave that for a while. So here's, here's what's interesting. We, I've shared this scripture before. I, I actually brought this scripture to our church uh, quite a while back. And at the time, what happened, and, I, and actually I know exactly when we did it. It was a little over a year and a half ago uh, in the month of June. And we had been leaning into this scripture for longer than that. But it was around the month of June. Here's why I know that. I read this scripture, and what I realized, I, I kind of bypassed the first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and I went straight to the part on, on miracles. Thanks. Um, I went straight to the part on miracles. Here's why that was significant to me. What I was seeing is that God was just as important in what you were experiencing with him in the church as it was what you were learning about him in the church. In fact, according to this scripture, it's the first thing he wants you to do is experience something that you could not earn and you cannot deserve. Before you learn, just think about the nature of God. Before you learn anything today, and before you decide to change anything about your behavior or anything about your life, he wants you to encounter and experience miracles and healings. Doesn't that say so much about who he is? And I just, when I read this, I was like, that's not how our church is built. That was one of those epiphany moments I had. I was like, okay, Lord, well, we're not doing that. 
We, we, we hardly spend any time going after miracles. We, have, we don't really talk about miracles and healings nearly as much as we should. And so in, the, in June, about a year and a half ago, we just made a, a decision where as a church, we were going to go after encounters, the presence of God. I told our worship team, look, no more times on how much time you have to worship. If you worship the whole service, as long as we're encountering his presence and experiencing God, not necessarily learning about him, but experiencing him, I'm good. Well, they took me at my word. I had seven minutes to preach the first Sunday I told them that. <laughs> but it, it began to do something in our church. Now, in church, just a little bit, and I'm having to talk fast because I got a bunch to say. It, it, just so you know a little bit about the church world, all pastors know your church does not grow in the summer. We get it. We got vacations. Your kids are out of school. You don't even know how to handle your kids because you're used to somebody else raising them most of the week. <laughs> And now you actually have to do it, and you're like, I don't know what to do with this, so you just stay at home and go into depression. And it's like, uh, <laughs> just a joke, kind of. <laughs> so we, we get it. The summer is not the time when everybody's like, we're committed, we're faithful, we're disciplined, we're going to church, and, and that's fine. We're, everybody's okay with that. So as a pastor, you just know your church is not going to grow in the summer. So of all the times for me to try to experiment and tinker with some stuff, I thought the summer's the perfect time because if everybody gets ticked, not everybody's going to leave because they're not all here. <laughs> and <laughs> so we go after, we kind of go after this thing semi by faith and a little bit scared and, and like, okay, Lord, what are you doing here? But here, the most amazing thing began to happen when we went after this. First of all, the most important thing is miracles and healings began to happen. In fact, one of the most, I was telling the guy, there's a guy in our, Ron McWilliams. If y'all don't know Ron McWilliams, he is one of the most unbelievable children's teachers that we have at this church. He is unbelievable. And he is a byproduct of this revelation because we had hired him. He, he didn't go to this church. He wasn't in a church at all. Uh, not even really 100% sure what his belief system was at the time, but he was here during some of this. He was sitting on the front row videoing. We had hired him to video some stuff for us for an Easter, Easter B-roll or something like that. So he's sitting here on the front row videoing. He wasn't part of the church or anything. And at the end of the service, I got a, I got a, a hunch, a word of knowledge, if you will, about a TMJ, some jaw pain. And he's, Ron's sitting here like this. I'll never forget. Actually, I was, I was right about here. And he's sitting right there, and I'm giving this word. And he's got his camera. And all of a sudden, I said, there's somebody here that's got jaw pain. I described it. And he just kind of pulls his camera down. He's like, And so anyway, we prayed for him. He was instantly healed of a lifetime TMJ issue, never to return again, right on the spot. So he leaves the service, and Leanne was the media coordinator, media director at the time, and so at the end of the service, I was like, hey, did you get a chance to talk to that Ron McWilliams guy? She goes, yeah, he's freaking out. <laughs> Great, we done ran off our camera guy. You know. <laughs> she goes, no, he, he's freaking out because he was instantly healed, and he's sitting there going, I'm freaking out, man. I'm freaking out. I never had anything like this happen in my life. Now he's serving as one of our key children's teachers in this church because of this revelation. So I love that God was confirming things and showing us things that every time we took a step of faith, again, remind you, to build his church, not mine. To build his church, not mine. I, I need you to understand something about faith. God can do more with faith than he can with accuracy. He cares a whole lot less about you getting it right. He cares a lot more about you just going for it. And what we've learned as a church is if we're just willing to go for it, even if we get it wrong, God still fixes it <laughs> because we're willing to go, go for it. The Bible says when he comes back, he's not going to be looking for accuracy of people that have done it all right. He'll still be pursuing me with reckless 
abandoned. So we, we, we focused on that portion of Scripture for, for a while in June. So people began getting healed. But then in the month of June, the church began to grow in the summer. It's one of the things, to be quite honest with you, that set our growth patterns off and now we've had to kind of restructure some of our building things because I kind of felt like, okay, we're, gonna, we're kind of growing at this rate. Wasn't expecting what happened in June, and the Lord began to continue to grow our church. And so we put a lot of emphasis on this back part. Today, I want to put some emphasis on this front part. And if I'm being honest, I'm cautious. Like I said, I'm, I'm cautiously excited because some of the things that I'm going to say could, if you don't understand my heart about this, make it sound like I'm discrediting any church that you've ever been to or even uh, churches in this community, um, any church whatsoever. And I need you to hear me say this. I am pro-church. I am pro-church, any church that is going after God. I'm not pro every church because some churches are out there, uh, the pastor got offended somewhere else and thought he was better than everybody else, and so it's an offended church. It's out of a church split. Not necessarily for that. But I am for the local church. Everybody say, I heard you. I'm for the local church. But when I read this scripture, I'm, I'm going to tell you what happened. I said, okay. So here, and, and just so you know, after verse 28, there's nothing else. This is, all the, this is the whole list. He says, and this is what he's appointed in the church. Now, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and miracles, gifts of healing, helpings, administrations, and various kinds of tongues. Okay, raise your hand in here today. I need a little participation. Raise your hand in here today if you know a pastor. If, you've ever, if you know and or have even ever talked to personally a pastor. Okay, hands down. Now, I'd like for you to raise your hand again if you know an apostle. Maybe, maybe five, six, seven, eight of you? Why is that? Why is that? Isn't it interesting that in the blueprint of the church, whose, whose idea was this? God's? Is this Brayden's or Renew Life Church's idea or is this a scripture? Scripture. In his, he says, first apostles. The first thing he appointed for the church was apostles. And yet, most of us in here don't even know one. And here's, this was my response. Now, I kind of have this kind of relationship with the Lord. I'm a little bit dramatic. I'm a little bit dramatic. I said, I just threw my hands up in my office. I was like, we're doing it all wrong. We're doing it all wrong. Because here's what I, here's what I noticed. In, in, in this verse, it names three apostles, prophets, and teachers. Now, where that list comes from is Ephesians chapter 4. I don't know if that's in our notes or not, but in Ephesians chapter 4, God, he, he, the Holy Spirit, Paul again, he outlines this, this group of ministry people. And in this group, he says, and God gave these gifts to the church, some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. So he names five types of ministry gifts, five types of what is commonly known as the fivefold office of gifts. He names five of them. And in this group, he leaves out two. Oh, we do have it up there. He leaves out two. Now, I want you to know about the two he left out. When he goes in Corinthians and describes the blueprint for the church, he says, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. In this list, he left out two, pastors and evangelists. Now, here's what's interesting. You know why most of you have never heard of an apostle? Most, uh, raise, how about this one? Raise your hand here if you know a prophet. Okay, we got a few more people that know prophets. Is, here's what's interesting. There are the first two gifts mentioned in what the church is supposed to look like, and yet most of us would say, raise your hand if you know a pastor. Everybody raise your hand. How about evangelists? Anybody ever know an evangelist? 
bunch of those. You know why? Because the American church was, is typically pastor-led and evangelistic mission. It is pastor-led with an evangelistic mission. In fact, some of you in here today, you have friends sitting next to you. Now, I'm fixing to, I'm fixing to blow your, your, your gig here. You have friends sitting here today that you think need Jesus, but you didn't want to say it. So you're like, you should just come to church. And you know why you said that? Because you know at the end of the service, I'm going to make sure they get a chance to meet him. And during the service, I'm going to tell everybody, close your eyes, bow your head, and you're going to be peeking. <laughs> and if they don't raise their hand the first time, you're going to give them a little nudge. Like, that's why I invited you. You need to raise your hand. Right? Is, there, is this church? This is the American church as we know it. Am I right? It's pastor. Everyone knows that every church needs a senior pastor. Everyone knows that the, the church exists to help people come to know Jesus. We're here to reach the... Now, hear, hear me, please. I am for those things. I am for those things. I am for reaching the lost. I am for pastors. You, let me tell you a little bit about pastors. You know what pastors primarily do? They take care of people. They take care of people and they feed sheep. That's what they do. They take care of sheep. Make sure they got plenty of food, plenty of water. If they get sick, they put a little medicine on their boo-boo, and they hug them. That's what they do. Most churches in America are led for people that, here's what they thought. Here's, what, here's the way that their mind works. I just want to take care of people. I just want to love people. I just want to feed them. You know what? What do you come to church? Well, I'm, or what kind of church are you looking for? I just want a church where I get fed. Anybody ever heard that one? Anybody heard this one? Oh, I just can't go there anymore. I just, I'm not getting fed there anymore. Not getting fed. You know what we're creating? Perpetual spiritual infants. Where your entire church experience is based around who's going to feed me. Now, here's what we know about in the natural realm. In the natural realm, if someone is 50 years old and still waiting for their mama to feed them, something's wrong. Right? So, something's wrong. I, I remember the. I remember a story when my when my uh, we were, a family story. We were eating one night at my house, and all the kids were there, and um, we're all eating, and everybody's done. And we look over, and one of my my youngest brother is sitting there, just like this, plate full of food, and we're like, "Is he here?" I'm telling him out right now. Uh, I I said, "We're like, Brody. Why didn't Why didn't you eat your plate? No one gave me a fork." I can't wait to tell that story second service when he's here. <laughs> if, 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 you're, if you're as an adult, in a natural sense, your life, you're always looking for who's going to feed me. You wake up in the morning like, oh my God, who's going to feed me for breakfast? Or you go to lunch like, what are we going to do for lunch? Who's, who's going to feed me today? Something's wrong with that picture, yet that is the picture of most American churches. We show up on Sunday starving starving because no one gave us a fork. I didn't have a fork Monday, didn't have a fork Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Oh my God, thank God I'm coming to church Sunday because somebody's going to have a fork. <laughs> now, can I just say this? The church, one of the things the church should do is feed people. So don't, I'm not going off into a ditch here. One of the things, some of you in here, it's like, you're, 
It's your first time back in church. It's your first time hearing this, and you're so empty. You're so, your, your, your soul is so empty. You're so broken. You're so hurting. I'm so glad you're here because that's what we're here to do today for you is to feed you. That's what, we, that's what the church is supposed to be in part is somewhere where people are fed. And guess what? At the end of the service, I'm still going to do an altar call so your friend can get to know Jesus. Those things will happen. But can I just say that if that is the sum total of your church experience, you haven't even got the things that God says are supposed to be the first things you experience in the church. He doesn't even list, and again, we need pastors, but he doesn't list pastors and he doesn't list evangelists. Here's what that tells me, that the American church, you, you know, you've heard the story of the prodigal son. Everybody knows the story of the prodigal son. He, he wants half his dad's stuff and he takes it off and he spends it on wild living, goes to Vegas and blows it all and he comes back. Okay, the American church, we're not typically that son, we're the other one. Because here's what the other one did. The son comes back and his dad gives him all this stuff and, and puts a robe on him and some, a ring on him and some new, some new Nikes on him and kills the fatty calf and cooks him a ribeye. And he's like, why didn't you do that for me? I've been, here in, I've been in church all along, getting fed, inviting my friends to, to know Jesus. Why didn't, why didn't I get any of this? And here's what the father said. It's all been here the whole time. This has always been yours. Here, the American church, when it comes, that's what we look like. There are things that God's sitting here going, this, there's stuff that's been here the whole time. There's been things available to you the whole time. The problem is it's not because we're rebellious. It's that we were ignorant of what I just showed, shared with you. Now, I read scripture, right? I read, these were scriptures. These were not my. So I, I'm just, I'm telling you, when I read this and I, that night in my office, I'm having myself a little fit. And I'm like, Lord, we're doing the whole thing wrong. We're doing the whole thing wrong. And what it's done is it's caused us for the last, and again, I've been doing this for about five years, but then it really intensified when I got this scripture because there's some things you knew in your heart, then you get a scripture and you're like, I knew something was weird here. And it's, so for the last two and a half years, it's like, okay, teach us, show us, teach us, show us, show us what this looks like. What is an apostle? What does an apostolic church look like? And I, I literally have five minutes left to do this. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be talking about this, and I think Josh is even going to share some more on this eventually. But let's understand where this word apostle comes from. If God sets in the, gift, in the church first apostles, then there's something about an apostolic church that he's after. The, the word apostle, is a, it comes from the Greek word. It's a Greek word. The, the word apostle actually originated from the Greek, but it was borrowed and given significance by the Romans. When the Romans were on their little con world conquering tour, remember everybody, Rome was conquering everybody? So Rome's going around conquering people, but what would happen is they would conquer an area, they would leave, and they would come back, and it still looked like the area that they conquered. So if the, if, the, if the emperor of Rome, if the king of Rome, whatever, were to show up, that new Roman territory wouldn't be anything like Rome. You've heard the phrase, when in Rome, do as the Romans do, right? Okay, what was happening was they would go in and they would conquer an area, but nothing really changed. They might have had more land and they might have had more people, but this new land and this new people still acted like they always acted, still looked like they always looked, still talked like they always talked. So the Romans said, hey, let's borrow this word. Uh, the word apostle means sent one. Let's borrow this word from the Greeks, this sent one. And let's, let's give these, this, these, these job isn't just to conquer land. It's to culturalize the people of that area. So that when, if the king were to come or some, a Roman were to come to this newly conquered area, it would look and feel and sound like Rome. 
The role of the apostle was to make new territory seem like the territory from which it was sent. That was, that was where this word apostle came from. Now, as I'm saying this, I want you to, what does this sound like? I'll tell you what this sounds like to me. This sounds like Matthew chapter 6. No, no, not six. Wrong one. Where's where my verses at? It is Matthew chapter six. I was right the first time. The Lord's Prayer, Matthew chapter six. This is this is the Lord Jesus Himself teaching His apostles. Twelve. Notice the Lord didn't start with twelve pastors or anything. He started with twelve apostles. That's significant. So He's teaching the apostles how to pray. What do we call this? The Lord's here, we all know it because we, whether we're believing it or not, we, we pray this all the time in first football game. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, where? On earth as it is in heaven. What is this prayer telling us to pray? We want this new territory to be like the one from which we were sent. The Lord's prayer is an apostolic prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I want you to start looking. Here, here, here's another one. What, what does he tell us in Matthew 6, 31? If you keep reading, it says, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and our, your heavenly Father knows that you have need of them. But seek first, what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto us. So he tells us our first assignment is to seek what? The kingdom of God. Our prayer, the, the, the model prayer, is to pray that the kingdom of heaven become the kingdom of earth. And he says, and, and by the way, in my church, I want it to be led by apostles first and have an apostolic bent to it. What is God saying to us? He's saying to us, now let's go back, bring it back to the church. First of all, apostle and apostolic is more important than you think. It's more important than you think. And he's saying, as the church, please understand as much as I want to take care of you and feed you and those things are important, there's so much more to life in the church than just being fed and being taken care of. An apostolic church is equip equipping people and empowering people and encouraging people and motivating them to fulfill Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God. It's giving you the tools and the empowerment to go outside of this church Monday through Saturday and advance the kingdom of God in every area of your life and make every area of your life look like heaven on earth. Every area of your life. Here's why this is so important. You have got to understand why you come to church. You, just, you should not be coming to church just to check a box so that you feel good about yourself. You're going to waste your church experience. It, let me say this. It will get old and it'll, it'll quit being a good fix for you. If, and let me go take it one step further. If the church exists to feed you and take care of you, so if, if you need to get married or you need marriage counseling or if you need, if, if someone, you need a funeral or you want your baby baptized, if, if it's just that, eventually that will get old for you too. You'll have to go find somewhere else that feeds you. But if the church, now first of all, there's, notice there's a responsibility on two here. I've got some responsibility too. Because part of my responsibility isn't just to feed you and take care of you. It's to make sure that I'm equipping you to fulfill the call of God on your life. I tell this to my staff. This is what I tell my staff. I, I came from a church. Well, actually, there's kind of two types of churches that I 
I want to talk about for just a brief second. There's the, the typical denominational church. And to be honest with you, they don't care if the pastor has a vision. They don't care if he's a pastor, an apostle, a prophet. As long as they show up, they get a little something that makes them feel good, and they feel good about their, their, their week, they're good. And just as harsh as it sounds, that's a lot of churches. That's, 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 that's just where they're here to feed people, take care of them. That's, that's a lot of churches. I grew up in a church where the pastor was apparently second cousins to Moses, and he would go, go up on the mountain on a regular basis and get the vision from God and come down, and the church existed to serve the vision of the man of God. Anybody else been in a church like that where you existed to serve the vision of the senior pastor? Can I just, let me just say this, something, just in case you were one of those that were wondering. You do not exist to serve my vision. I exist to serve yours. That's the facts. I'll take it one step further. Let me tell you about my church staff. My church staff does not exist to serve my vision. I exist to serve theirs. When I interview people and there's new positions available, I tell them, they're like, well, what are you looking for in this area? I go, I don't know. That's why I'm fixing to hire you. Well, what do you want to see? I don't know. You tell me. If the Lord's bringing you here, apparently you got some vision. Apparently you know something. You see something, vision. You see something, I don't. That's why I'm paying you. If I see it, I don't need you. The, the church, we're not here to serve the vision of, of the church. The Bible doesn't say in Matthew 6, seek ye first the church. And there's no scripture that says we're supposed to build the church either. Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We don't have to build it. We don't have to advance it. We just have to be it. We are the church. It's not an assignment. It's an identity. We are the church. And as the senior leader of this church, my job is when Christians gather together, it's to equip and empower you to do what you're supposed to be doing outside the church, which is advancing the kingdom. I'll close with this. I have a responsibility, not just to feed you, not just to take care of you but to challenge you, to tell you what the Bible says about certain things, and to give you equipment and courage and faith and power to leave here and advance the kingdom in your sphere of influence. But you have a responsibility as well. You have a responsibility to find the kingdom in everything you do. Everything you do in life should be about the kingdom. You're like, well, I don't really do anything. I'm just a stay-at-home mom. That's kingdom. That's kingdom. There's kingdom in being a stay-at-home mom. There's kingdom in raising your kids. There's kingdom There's kingdom in things you didn't know there was kingdom. There's king, kingdom in making money. There's kingdom in owning a business. Just, when you say, hear kingdom, it doesn't just mean that you're, you're the one leading the Bible study at your workplace. It's a whole lot bigger than that. But I'm just going to tell you this. If you didn't know that, you're going through life, going through the motions, and you're missing out. You're that son at home sitting there watching the son, how he treats a, a kid that maybe didn't act right. And you've been trying to do things right, and you had no idea the father, everything that the father had for you. You had no idea everything that the church was supposed to provide for you. Because I'm going to tell you right now, we all know this. If you do nothing but eat and don't exercise, I can tell you what happens to me. If, you, if it's all about feeding and none about doing, people get unhealthy and sick. That's what happens. You will be an unhealthy, sick Christian if you, all you ever do is come to church to eat 
and you don't leave this church satisfied, equipped and empowered, and go exercise out there what you learned about in here. My, my desire is to be an apostolic church. My desire is to be an apostolic church where all the things that God has for you are in here. But it's my, uh, maybe even a greater desire is that you are an apostolic people and you take what you get in here and you go do it out there. I cannot advance the kingdom at your workplace and I cannot advance the kingdom in your home, but I can equip you to do it. I can give you the tools to do it. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed our podcast today. You can find out more about our ministry at RenewLifeChurch.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Also, our app is available for download so that you can stay up to date. Again, we are so glad you joined us. If you're in the Midland Odessa area, we invite you to come be our guest at one of our services. Have a great day, and we hope to see you soon.